But right now, he is the new assistant, well, assistant coach uh, for your Calgary Flames. Um, we say good morning on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to Mark Savard. Savvy, how are you, pal? Not bad. How you doing? Long time no chat. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, for, for our listeners who don't know, you did a terrific job doing Leafs Nation pre and post game with Gord Stellick for the 2018-2019 season. Uh, and, any fond memories working with one of the best guys in broadcasting and Gordy Stellick? Oh, yeah. We had some, some fun, that's for sure. Uh, he taught me a lot, and uh, yeah, it was a nice time uh, riding with Gord for sure, and a lot of laughs were the big thing, but a uh, great time and, and learned a lot from him for sure. Uh, what about some of the meals you guys used to crush? I do recall that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ordered for a lot more than two people. I'll tell you that. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun, and yeah, it was, <laughs> it was something I'll never forget. But uh, yeah, he's a great human, and uh, I miss Gordy for sure. Yeah, you did a uh, terrific job uh, doing those pre- and post-game shows. I uh, wanted to ask you, when you got the call for this new gig, uh, who gave you the call, and what was your reaction? Um, it was, it was Craig Conroy. Um, you know, I, I had interviewed, I think, I don't think it was any secret to get the head coaching job there. Um, didn't go, you know, totally my way in that regard, but, uh, it was, uh, it was great, uh, going through the interview process and, you know, just at the, and I interviewed in a lot of other, op, uh, a lot of other teams in the NHL and it came back to the same thing. You know, I needed more, um, more time, you know, or being a coach. So, uh, and so I didn't think junior was going back to junior was going to help me. Uh, you know, Connie had said, you know, we'd love to have you as an assistant still and up trying to talking to, to Hus, the new coach, Ryan Huska. And uh, he seems like a great human. So it was a nice fit. And, uh, obviously I played there for three and a half years. I really love the city Two of My kids were born there and it just, it just made total sense. So, uh, and then that's how it kind of came to fruition. And, and then I worked with Donnie and Connie and got the deal done. So uh, we're really excited to, to come back to Calgary. So what was so enticing about uh, taking on this opportunity uh, to be an assistant coach with Calgary Flames? We know you have the familiarity with the city, but what, what about the team itself and other factors made this uh, job opportunity so enticing to you? Well, on paper, uh, you know, the, the team, you know, I've played on the championship team, you know, and I've almost coached one. It, it just looks like it has an opportunity to win here. I, I really think I can bring a lot to that, help that offense uh, a lot, especially on the power play. And I think it, it just makes sense. I, I, I feel really confident on paper of what we have and with some, some new, new uh, stuff from Husk and myself and the whole staff. I think that uh, we'll get these guys, you know, having fun again is number one, and then just just and then just trying to be be offensive at times and and, and score goals. We got guys on people that can do it, but we're, I mean, def- defense is how you're going to end up winning championships. We all know that, but we got to be able to score goals, and I think that's going to be a big thing. And I think fans are going to appreciate it. We know in your time in Windsor, you've had some playoff success, but one thing that stands out to me, looking at at least the last two years with your team you've been in charge of a team that's been near the top, if not at the top in terms of goals scored Uh, in terms of your offensive philosophy, what would you, for those who might not be familiar as best as you can explain, what would you say that is? Well, yeah, like you mentioned uh, last year, I think we we had 330 goals for, which was second in, in the CHL. And then the year before we had 310, which was first in the OHL. So, 
you know, a, a lot of it, believe me, is, is just relationships with the guys and, and, and letting them feel free as they come across the blue line, not gripping the stick, you know, but having that understanding that, you know, when you make a mistake, I'm not going to come and yell at you 10 times that you, you turn the puck over, be responsible, put your head down and track back, get back. You know, where we are, I want these guys to make plays. Uh, I'm a real believer in that. And I think when they, when they feel confident in themselves making plays, know they're not going to get yelled at every time they make, make a mistake. I think it goes a long way. So I think it's as simple as that for that part. I mean, obviously I've got some, some stuff offensively that, you know, I, I like to, to show them and work on, but again, it's just, I think that's the biggest thing is letting them feel free to make plays when they get over the blue line, but having that awareness that, you know, I got to be responsible defensively if I, if I make a mistake. Uh, Savvy, you're not that far away from playing in the actual league. How much has it changed offensively since even when you were playing in the league? It's changed a lot, especially, you know, with the more video and the more power play, uh, you know, breaking out and, and, and situational stuff and, and, and just, Different, different ways to attack, and, and obviously teams are, are, are killing differently now too. They're, they're watching more video, learning more stuff. So there's a more strategic part to it than when I played. I remember, you know, we just kind of this is what we did every time, and we kind of got in the zone and you know made a couple passes and tried to get in the net. So there's more structural stuff. Um, but again, that's where I think I'm a little bit different. Still, I like to let them free themselves up. You know, we're going to have, obviously, where we like to be at times on the power play and how we like to break out. But, again, I, I like the creativeness to, to keep it uh, a little real for the guys and, and they're able to make plays because that's why they're on power plays. That's why they're in the best league in the world. They're, they're, they're amazing players, and I want them to use that creativeness, uh, you know, when they're playing. Uh, the new assistant uh, coach for the Calgary Flames, Mark Savard, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Savvy, how excited do you work with Jonathan Huberto? Really excited. Obviously, he was one of my first calls uh, once once I got the job, and, and Husk asked me to reach out to him, and we had a really good conversation, you know, for about forty minutes. And he expressed to me what you know what he'd like to see more, and, and I expressed to him that I'd like to see him do that more. So it was a great conversation. I think he's excited to get back, and 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 you know, obviously throw last season in the garbage and. And, and move forward to back where he knows he can be. So I think you're going to get a different Jonathan Huberto this year. I think he's going to be excellent, and I think he'll he'll double his point totals again like he, like he knows he can. And it was a great conversation. I, me and him are very similar hockey players. He's a little bigger than me, obviously, but you know we're both pass-first type mentalities, and, and uh, we see the ice really well. So we just want to get him making plays again and having fun coming to the rink, and it, it, it'll change. I, I, I guarantee that he'll have a, have a big season for us. How much of your job do you think will have to, you know, spend time on on making sure Jonathan Huberto has fun? That seemed to have been a a really big distinct thing with him last season. It's one thing to look at his point totals, but he genuinely just didn't look like he had all the confidence in the world. Yeah, I, and I, I think that was the first thing I said to him when I called. Listen, I, I like to have fun first and foremost, and my guys in Windsor know that when I coach, even right through to when I was in St. Louis for the year, and I said, if we're not going to have fun, I'll, I'll quit first. So <laughs> so that was kind of how I started the conversation. He got a chuckle out of that. So, yeah, uh, he's just got to have fun again, and, that, and with, with fun comes confidence, and everything starts to fall back into place. But, again, he, he, results, as us as offensive guys, we want to get results, and once the results start coming, and hopefully we get them early, and, and, and that'll get the confidence right back, and, and Jonathan, uh, no doubt, will hopefully have another big year. Uh, is there anyone else on uh, the Flames you're looking forward to working with? 
Well, I think Cod's, you know, Cadre, uh, Lindholm, um, you know, the young kids too, uh, you know, Maja Pani. The list goes on up front, and I'm only talking about forwards because that's kind of where I'm of course. going to be most of the time. But, yeah, there's a big list of, of guys that, I, that I'm really excited to work with and, uh, you know, uh, even Dubé and, and, you know, I, I don't want to miss anybody out, but it, it, back when it's, it's going to be a real exciting group. And I, I really think, believe this team could win with a, you know, a, with a different mindset here. I think you're going to see a different Calgary Flames this year. And, and with the way uh, Husk has been talking to me and, and the staff, it, it seems like we're going to play a little bit more exciting hockey and uh, hopefully that turns into uh, a lot more wins. Um, how important is it for you in Husk to kind of make this a, a more player-friendly organization? Not that it wasn't before, but we know that under Daryl, uh, it was a lot tougher, and maybe some guys love playing for Daryl. Some guys really didn't particularly like playing for Daryl. How important is it to, to be player-friendly now in the NHL than maybe it was 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, when I took over in Windsor, it's a great question. I just I was a positive guy. I've always been a positive guy throughout my career, and... I really brought that positivity to Windsor. Uh, you know, two years in a row, we finished first in the West. Uh, last year, we weren't supposed to have a great team, and, and we were able to manage to, to win the West again. And I, I think that's just the new, new, new age. It's just you know having good relationships with the guys, um, you know, making them want to come to the rink. You know, my guys didn't want to leave the rink, and I know it's junior hockey and they're buddies, but. You know, it was that point where, you know, me and the trainer had to get the guys out of the rink at some nights because they were just, they just wanted to stay because they, they really enjoy themselves that much. So, you know, we got to make an environment like that for them to come in every day and obviously learn and get better is, is the most important part. But you, it comes naturally after, you, you know, you just love being there. You love working and you love doing your job. Uh, everybody has a better time and you get better results for it. So I think that's a big thing for me. I don't love a lot of negative video. Uh, you know, I'm a positive guy, you know, the power play that has a tough night. You know, I'm I'm showing power plays where we were great and can keep them seeing stuff that that makes them feel confident. And, and I think that's the new age, and and that's where I'm headed with my coaching. And and um, I think Husk is on the same page. Uh, you mentioned uh, potentially being excited to to coach guys like Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund. It just so happens that both their futures seem to be very much up in the air right now. I'm just curious uh, if it's gotten to this point. How much have you had to try to sell the vision? of what you're trying to build for this offense to those guys. Yeah. You know, Connie takes care of that kind of area, but um, you know, we, uh, you know, we've, we've had chats and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of an area where I I think they, they're going to end up coming back. Obviously they're signed. uh, And once they maybe see the culture change and and having fun again and winning hockey games and Calgary's an unbelievable city. Fans are amazing. And, I think once it all comes together, no one's going to want to leave. That's the kind of projection I have, the vision I have. Um, and I can remember playing there when through the good times. It was an amazing place to play. So I think that's where we got to get to. Um, and, you know, I think Connie, you know, is doing his job trying to get some something done with them. But, again, I think if, it, you know, at the end of the day when they come back to play, I think they're just going to have such a great time that I think they're going to want to be Flames again for, for a long time. Uh, Savvy, how exciting is the challenge playing in this division with the Stanley Cup champions, the guys up north with, obviously, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, the Kings making a big move too, the Kraken on the rise? Like, what kind of a challenge do you guys anticipate this season playing in what I think is now probably the best division in hockey? 
Yeah, you said it. It's going to be a challenge every night, and we got to be ready to go every night and, and, and get our best out of our players. And again, and that's how you get the best. You get, you know, you get rolling, you get some wins, and no doubt there's going to be some tough games, some tough matchups. Uh, but uh, I think you know, you know, with the staff we put together, with not only Husk, Lambert, and uh, McLean, and and uh, Lebert, the goalie coach Lebert. I don't even know how to say it, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a good game plan every night. We're going to have fun, like I said, and with fun comes winning, and, and it'll just snowball from there. But, again, it's going to be tough every night. We're going to have some challenges out there, but, again, when I look at our team on paper, we're as every good uh, bit as good as the other one, so I'm excited. Sorry, were you trying to say Jason LaBarber's name? There you go, LaBarber. <laughs> yeah, we got you. We got you. We got, we got you. you. It was on to make sure. I want, I want to get we're just bouncing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get back to, to, to your philosophy about being positive and, and having fun with the guys. I mean, obviously you mentioned in terms of the, uh, the video and, and what you're showing to those guys and, and how you're talking to those players in order to get that positivity. Is there anything else that maybe you do off ice with, with players typically uh, that also helps in that aspect? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, video, a little bit of video, but again, keeping it positive, showing them, you know, not show them what they've done already. That's good that they, they're, they are doing bad at sometimes. If you understand that, like not, not showing them because they turned the puck over here, showing when they made a good play from where the exact spot was, or, you know, just showing them those positive clips, maybe it's scoring goals or making plays and, and just uh, really building them up so they feel great. And I think that's why, and, and, and I coach Wyatt Johnson, obviously, he led the league in scoring in the Ontario Hockey League. He won the player of the year uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. And then last year I had Matt Maggio won the scoring title. He won the player of the year in the Ontario Hockey League. So it's just building up their confidence, making them feel good about themselves and, and being real positive. And I think you're going to see a lot of changes in our, in our uh, top guys for sure. Uh, Savvy, before I let you go, if our listeners want to get down a rabbit hole, uh, they should check out YouTube. Uh, you did taping twigs, uh, which is great. You have all these uh, big-time NHLers, and now they tape their stick. Is Mark Stone's tape job the most absurd one in the NHL? Well, waste about a box of tape, for, so it's expensive. But yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a big, big boy, and uh, yeah, it was it was a long. That was I think it was a two hour show, so you might want to skip that one. Oh boy! Uh, but no, it was I I had a lot of fun doing it, but I don't do it anymore. But I still get reached out a lot to to get going again. But maybe someday when this all comes to uh, an end, the coaching, I'll I'll get back into it. Uh, where are you at with candy cane tape on the blade? Do you have to be like a superstar to have that done, or like can a fourth line grinder have candy cane? Uh, you're only your top fourth liner can skate around the candy cane. I, I wouldn't play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, real quick too. How's the golf game before I let you go? The golf game is an unbelievable one. I'm in my club championships coming up this weekend. I'm back to, to actually, I'm having a good summer and okay. it's been a lot of fun and I appreciate you guys having me. No, no problem. Uh, Mark Savard, the new assistant, uh, coach of the Calgary flames. Savvy, great stuff. Uh, we'll catch up during the season. Thanks for this pal. Thanks Ryan. Okay, there he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Uh, when, when I worked with him in Toronto, he was like a scratch golfer. So he's uh, an incredible uh, uh, golfer, too. He was uh, qualified for the 2007 uh, Mid-Amateur uh, mid Canadian yeah. Championship. He's yeah. legit. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty good. Uh, he's really good. At the golf and uh, really excited. Again, positivity's uh, something that I like, and he kept hammering home that message. 
Uh, it was great stuff uh, for Mark Savard. It's not going to be all nice days for the yeah. first Of course. That's, but, that's the but, one thing but I was thinking thing is, about Everybody that. feels so, like, like Husk is such a nice dude to just chat with when we had him in studio. It was awesome. And, and well, uh, Savard is going to be a nice dude. It's a very friendly, cheery group. Craig Conroy like. is, is one of the <laughs> yeah, nicer people Iggy. you can deal with. Iggy as Give well. Give the shirt off his damn back. Yeah, that, that was my whole thing <laughs> thinking about that for Mark Savard. I mean, look, the, the numbers speak for itself when it comes to what he's been able to do with the Windsor, Windsor Spitfires over the last two years. Uh, and the positivity and, and the philosophy, I think a lot of those guys yeah. could use that in the locker room. Oh, yeah. But when, what if, what if you go through that tough stretch? Yeah. Like, what is that? <laughs> and maybe I should have asked that question to him. But what is it like trying to uplift that team when you're going through a three-game losing streak or a four-game losing streak, mm. and you're doing everything you can to get yourself out of that rut? Yeah, there's no question that the organization as a whole is just trying to shake that, you know stigma of not being player friendly yeah. obviously and that has a lot to do with who was the former head coach of the team but that guy got results and again I Daryl Sutter's a slam dunk Hall of Fame coach there's no question about that it's just the, the organization as a whole I feel like and what my sense is they just want to turn this new leaf and be more a little player friendly and when you have a guy like Mark Savard on there talking about that and just the positivity is just emanating from his phone. Like you can just hear how oh, much yeah. that guy's excited to work with guys like Jonathan Huberto and work on the power play. And when you have a smart guy like Mark Savard doing that, I, I think it's only going to be it's only going to pay dividends for this team and this power play. And it's something that the Flames struggled with last season: creativity. When you're in so many one goal games and you're just throwing pucks on the net from every single angle, and that's kind of the attack. I don't think that's going to be the game plan for the Calgary Flames this season. Being a little smarter, being a little more creative when you're over the blue line, I think it's just going to be good for guys like, obviously, like Huberto and Kadri and Majapani who had a down year. How did you feel about how Mark Savard spoke about Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund? Did that, well, what was he supposed to say, like, that's what I, that, yeah, and, like, and that, and that's a fine response with yeah, that, like because he, he did mention them off top like as guys he was excited with working yeah, with sure. but we all know that their futures are very much up in the air that being said yes they are under contract for one more year yeah. so at the very least they could at least come back and play out that final year yeah I was just intrigued if sure. you thought that just if you had see if you had heard anything. I absolutely heard. I just think you're reading a little too much into it that's very fair and that's, yeah. that's very fair but my job is to do that and see if there's something sure. there that's my job Absolutely. But uh, yeah, again, uh, of course he's going to say those things. And of course he's looking forward to potentially working with those guys. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you want to work with a guy like Elias Lindholm? Absolutely. Scored 40 goals in this league one year. Sure, playing with, with Johnny and Chucky, and I get it. But why wouldn't he be excited working with a guy like Elias Lindholm? Why wouldn't he be excited you know, picking the brain of a Michael Backlund who's such a great penalty killer? And what are some of the things he looks at when he kills a penalty? I'm sure all of those things are discussed behind closed doors Absolutely. and it's something he's looking forward to doing. It's less about me being surprised about him being, you know, excited about working with those guys. I'm just trying to like read between the lines about mm. what the strategy might be with regards to those players potentially coming back. Because we, we have been talking about throughout the show uh, about the possibility that maybe the flames just say, you know what? We put the contract talks to the side we just play out this final year and see where we go. Yeah. I, uh, again, uh, it's exciting uh, to hear a guy who chose Calgary, right? Because all yeah. this negativity around the team, all oh, guys don't want to sign here, guys don't want to play here. There's a guy who, had, he said, he interviewed for the head coaching job, which I thought was interesting, he said. Yeah. And number two, he had other opportunities where he was interviewing for assistant coaching jobs around the league, and he specifically chose to come to Calgary 
and and said because well they're a good team too and they're a team that can contend, which is which yep. is great news if you're a Flames fan listening. That I, I know there's a lot of negativity and a lot of cynicism when it comes to guys wanting to be here. There's a guy who cut had a lot of opportunities elsewhere and chose to be an assistant coach with the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what some of those other opportunities might have been, but I, I had a feeling that maybe he'd get a call after uh, the Ryan Huska press conference. I know I, I, I went to Craig and I was just saying, like, is there a possibility for just trying to figure out who the possibilities could be for assistant coach? And they did. he did acknowledge that he would go back into that pool of candidates he did interview. And it was rumored that Mark was was in on that. And I think his his resume in the OHL definitely would have been very enticing, not just for the Calgary Flames, but for a lot of different teams. So for them to actually end up with Mark Savard, uh, a guy who has led a team that has scored as many goals as they've scored over the last two seasons, it's definitely a step in the right direction. But definitely the the positivity aspect to all of this, that's very... I, I'm pretty sure when Craig was talking to Mark Savard, that must have been an enticing... Uh, key option in terms of saying, hey, you know what? We need this guy. In well, our, it in starts our, in with Conroy, right? It absolutely starts with Conroy. Like he's a guy who, who's a positive guy, very energetic. Absolutely. And, and again, it, it's infectious throughout the organization. It is. And that's why, you know, if you're a Flames fan, obviously uh, it's professional sports and results are paramount. That's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But just the vibes around the Calgary Flames have changed significantly here in the last few months. And I think that's only going to translate to good things happening on the ice. Yeah. Well, I guess, it, it, yeah. Like, again, Wins are the most important, but obviously attitude. Even Savard just talked about it. If you're not having fun at the rink, you're not going to do well on the ice. Yeah. And there's a guy who played in the league. Unfortunately, his career got cut short because of concussions. Great, incredibly skilled player. When he says something like that, you got to take his word for it. I also wonder what the combination with him and Jonathan Huberto will produce. Because it was very clear from the coaching changes and the way that process was going down, I mean, Craig Connery even acknowledged that he, he spoke to Jonathan Huberto about this. But the coaching changes being made were done not solely with Jonathan Huberto in mind, but he was definitely top yep. of mind with that. Because there's no way you can have a player of that quality who's going to make $10.5 million putting up 60 points. Or 50 uh, points or whatever he put up last year. Patrick, are we going to do, uh, we'll do the replay around 930 after you talk to Tommy Wilden and Mucho? Yeah, we could, we could do uh, Savvy. He was going to do uh, Francis. But yeah, we play Savard for sure at 9.30. Yeah, I think we should do Savvy yeah. at uh, 9.30. Yeah. Um, straight ahead, though, ESPN uh, NHL senior writer Greg Wachinski is going to join us. We'll talk to him. We'll get his thoughts on the Calgary Flames. I want to I see what if Wish has any uh, take on the Matthew Phillips situation. Yeah. Because it just feels like it just it's just continually... An, an, one of the bigger stories on Flames Twitter is the Matthew Phillips situation and how it was handled by the Flames and what he's going to potentially do in Washington for the Capitals. We'll ask Wish about that. We'll ask him who the most famous person in this high school was or he went to high school with. Text line still open, too. We want to hear from you. 960, 960, name and location. The most famous person you went to high school with. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll do a Wimbledon report with our intern, Shan. We've got a busy 25 minutes straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. No Rose. McKenzie. Sports at 960. The fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, no Rose. Julian McKenzie, the athletic in all week. The bottom of the hour, we'll wrap up your text messages at 960, 960, name and location. The most famous person you went to high school with. And uh, our intern, Chan's going to give us a Wimbledon update because I know everyone's waiting with uh, bated breath on the Wimbledon update. I know I am. 
Milos is playing good right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's down. He's a up two one in the second set. Yeah, he's down a set. He's down a set, but they went seven. All right. Uh, right now, though, uh, ESPN NHL senior writer on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning, Greg Wyshynski. Wish, how are you? I'm good. I have an answer to the question well, of the day. I was going to um, ask you. I, went to I high was school. absolutely going to ask you. Go ahead. I, so I'm from Madawan, New Jersey. I went to high school with a kid named Charlie Rogers, who ended up being an NFL kick returner, I think for the Seahawks and the, the Bills. Um, but I, I remember distinctly uh, one interaction I had with him, which is in, in gym class, we had to run a mile, you know, like run around the, 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 the track and do a mile, and they timed you and the whole thing. Were you like Roger Bannister? Sorry, go ahead. Anyway. No, I was like <laughs> Roger Rabbit, man. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like meandering. I was just kind of like taking my time. And I remember Charlie breezing past me and my friend like several times as he's running the mile. And every time he would, he would, he would run past us, he would look back and go, I lapped you, man. I lapped you. <laughs> oh, like, man. The fifth time it happened, and I, I knew Charlie a little bit. We had gone to like elementary school together. The fifth time it happened, I, I literally, he says, I laughed you. I literally said, Charlie, I'm not trying. And, uh, <laughs> and got it. Got a chuckle out of him, but yeah, he was. I was really happy. He he had a brief kind of NFL stint, and probably the most famous uh, famous person I went to school with. There you go. I like uh, I like it. Uh, nine sixty nine sixty. Keep them rolling in on the text line. Uh, Want to get your thoughts on the uh, maybe the inactivity uh, from the Calgary Flames? Because I think a lot of us thought that maybe we'd see a Hannafin deal or maybe a Lindholm trade or extension. What's your read so far on the Flames off season? Um, the Hannafin part is, it was really baffling to me, to be honest with you, like being on site for the NHL draft in Nashville. Um, I talked to a number of people that really thought a Hannafin deal was going to be done, really thought it was going to be done with the Florida Panthers. If I'm being honest, as far as like the destination that people had been kind of focusing on for Hannafin um, and to, to have that not get done at the draft, I thought was interesting. And, and honestly, though, it, it does fit into the, the grander purview of what's been happening in the league where, you know, free agency started last Saturday. There was a bunch of business got done at the draft. You know, we, we saw a bunch of people get picked, but we didn't see a lot of trades. Like, there hasn't just been a lot of transactional movement on, in the trade market at all in the last couple of weeks, uh, unless it was focused directly on, you know, unrestricted free agency, trading a guy's rights, that kind of thing. So I, I don't know if it's the flat cap. I don't know if, if, if GMs are just biding their time to try to get the right deal. For whatever reason, we just haven't seen – some of the names we assumed would move, whether it be Hannafin, whether it be Eric Carlson, whether it be Alex Debrinkit, uh, move quite yet. In the case of Hannafin, uh, I wonder if uh, there's a shrinking pool of teams who might be available. You mentioned the Florida Panthers. That was definitely on a list of teams I thought would be very much into Noah Hannafin, and there were rumors going around that maybe Anthony Duclair would be part of a package, and he's since been shipped to San Jose, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, maybe Toronto because of the relationship between Craig Conroy and Brad Treliving. But for, for specifically for Noah Hannafin, what do you think of the market that might still be out there, especially when you consider the inactivity and some of the other teams who may have been who may have been in the running for a Noah Hannafin who have since made deals, whether through free agency or other means? I think it'd still be pretty robust. I mean, you, meant, you mentioned some of the teams that might be in the market for a, a defenseman. And in, and in some cases, obviously, some of those teams might be sniffing around Carlson, too, and you know, there's only a certain amount of money to go around. There's only a certain amount of assets you can move. So it's possible that some of the other defensemen that could be available are, are dominoes that have yet to fall 
that would impact where Hannafin goes. But no, I think I think I mean coming off the season he had and and the player that he is, I think I think the market's still pretty robust for him. It's just a matter of you know who blinks first, I guess. When in talking to Craig Connor a couple of weeks ago, he told me that if it got to a point where he had to move on from Hannafin and some of those other guys, a bit of a vague answer to be quite honest in terms of saying he wants draft pick. And, and prospects and maybe players on that. I'm just curious if, if in terms of talking to some of those guys, maybe about Hannafin or, or, anyone, or any of the other guys that the Flames might have available, is there a sense of what Craig Conroy and the Flames might want? No, I haven't heard the ask. I mean, the only thing I've heard is the interest from, from other teams regarding some of those players. But, like, it really does speak to the crossroads moment that the, the franchise is reaching insofar as, you know, if these guys want to leave, if you if you have to part ways with some of these veterans that have been a, a strong part of the supporting cast for several seasons, what does the next phase of the Calgary Flames look like? And I, and I think the next phase probably should be uh, a, a short and tidy rebuild and get as many picks as you can and, and try to move on to the next thing instead of trying to continue to build around a core that no longer exists. And all due respect to Jonathan Huberto. Um so, uh, you know, I, I would imagine it'd be futures. I think it'd be smart that it would, it would be futures. Um, but again, who, who knows what the marching orders are from uh, management above uh, Craig Conroy insofar as what they want this franchise to look like and, and how competitive they want this team to be. Which I wanted to ask you, um, it, it's been all around uh, Flames Twitter, uh, a minor uh, signing uh, under the radar for uh, the casual NHL fan, but Matthew Phillips, uh, who, who lit up the American Hockey League for a couple seasons, uh, leaves Calgary, signs a one-year deal uh, with the Washington Capitals. Uh, did, did, does that, did that move, did, did, did it click on your radar? Did it move the needle at all a little bit? Because it's something that's being talked about here because uh, the prevailing thought around here is maybe he didn't get the opportunity maybe he deserved. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on Matthew Phillips? Yeah, that was my only thought too. Is like that was the name that constantly came up as a, uh... You know, like, uh, it, it's like when you hold a cross up to a vampire, like Fr- Flames fans would hold up Matthew Phillips to Daryl Sutter and be like, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like what, what are you, what are you doing? This is, this is, you know, that, that was always the thing, right? That was, that was the thing they would point to and say, well, this is, this is why this is the kind of player that's not getting the opportunity that they should be getting under Daryl Sutter. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty much my connection to Phillips as, as having been maybe the greatest example of, of why uh, why Daryl Sutter is no longer there. Um, when it comes to Matthew Phillips, obviously he signed with the Capitals and they have that relationship with the Hershey Bears, but the Hershey Bears are kind of their own entity, right? For for hockey fans who don't really know, they're, they're an American Hockey League team, obviously they have the affiliation, but they're in it to win it too. They're they're owned by a big company. They just want to win championships. Just won Calder Cup. Is that Does that make too much sense to you that maybe they roll the dice, Matthew Phillips, if he's not going to work out for the Capitals, he'll have a nice, cozy home with the Hershey Bears? Yeah, it makes sense. And like you said, I mean, the, the Capitals are one of those teams that certainly has a very strong relationship with their minor league affiliate. And, you know, it's always been a competitive team and uh, and, and you've certainly benefited from, from that competitive environment with some of the players that have come up through the years. Um, you know, in the Capitals' case, they they just need bodies, man. Like, they need, especially up front. You know, they need they need bodies up front. They need, um, you know, guys that can score. You know, younger players on the roster. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, it's it's also a pretty smart front office too, a very analytics driven front office. Uh, so I imagine that they saw this as a value play not only for the NHL roster, but then if things don't click, uh, would certainly benefit Hershey. When I was in Montreal, I remember some fans were, were clamoring for uh, uh, Charles Houdon or Charles Houdon, however, uh, other people who were not at 
Maybe I would say his name to get some NHL minutes. He was killing it in the AHL and they wanted him to get that time in the NHL being in Calgary for these last how many months. Matthew Phillips seems to be the guy. Um, Greg, is there a player, uh, whether around any of the teams in the Metropolitan or the New Jersey Devils or anyone other, uh, any of those other teams that you've either been around or covered that you could think of? Is there a player who played in the AHL that fans clamor to see play in the NHL that stands out to you and you have to be like, you know, man, like this is a story in itself. Like, can this guy actually play and make that jump from being an AHL player to an NHL player? No, it's more like the guys that are on the, on the roster. I mean, especially when it comes to the Rangers. I mean, the, the push-pull with the Rangers and, and their fans is always like how much time and how much responsibility should you give Alexis Lafreniere and Capo Caco? Like, that's that's more of the focus for the fans here than anything else. Like, I remember talking to Caco after the Rangers season was done and their breakdown day and him basically saying, look, I, I need more power play time. Like, I need to be I need to play a bigger role on this team and and there's a certain amount of fans that are like, absolutely, you should, you totally should. And then there's a certain amount of fans that are like, no, you're you're not very good. <laughs> like maybe it didn't work. Maybe this wasn't the the best pick. So the focus I think for for teams in the metro area is much more about younger players that are already on the NHL rosters getting the ice time that they aren't getting. And that goes for the Rangers. That goes for the Islanders. I think the Devils don't necessarily have that problem because their young players are the team at this point. Um, but in both the case, the Islanders and the Rangers, there's always young guys on the roster that, that fans sort of rally around and are like, you know, give this guy a, a bigger shot. Um, Wish, what kind of power does Lou Lamorello, what kind of spell or voodoo he's doing to to have these guys sign these ridiculously long deals with the Islanders? It ain't a spell, man. It's just he's the one giving them out. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of other GMs aren't in the market right now trying to get guys for eight years, knowing where the cap is going like, and, and not wanting to, like, Get get you know hooked up with a with a, a Semyon Varlamov on a multi multi year contract, but you know Lou, Lou has a certain plan for this team. I think in some cases it's smart because I do think that getting a guy like Scott Mayfield in a contract for max term is is a smart move. It gets him at in, in at the right cap number. He's a player that certainly had a lot of interest from outside the organization. So if that's what you have to do to get him in at that number, by all means, a guy like Engvall, I'm, I'm not. I sold on him as Lou is, but there are certainly people that feel like that could look really good in a few years um, if he actualizes as the offensive player that, that Lou thinks he can be. And then you have like a head scratcher and Varlamov based on his age, but you know, he's, he's been a mentor to Ilya Sorokin. He's been very important to his maturation and his comfortability playing in, in North America. And I think they put some value on that. And, uh, and even if his numbers have slipped, he's still okay. He's not a, I mean, he's he's a better backup than what the Rangers have, and Jonathan Quick, I can tell you that. But um, but I think the the like ancillary stuff with him and Sorokin is the reason he's still an Islander. I don't know, Lou. I've been a, I've been following hockey for many many years. Lou was my first general manager as a Devils fan, <laughs> and so uh, he works in mysterious ways, man. He always has. <laughs> Uh, on the subject of contracts, I want to know your thoughts on Travis Hamonick signing a two-year deal and getting a no-movement clause. I mean, <laughs> it, it's inexplicable, I guess. Um, I mean, he's, he's someone who has, has sought trade protection uh, in his career before. But, I mean, I guess to, to get him in, you, you got to give him what he wants. Um, it's not something I'd give out. Uh, necessarily on a, on a two-year term to a player like that, but apparently that's you know you ask these GMs, it's not like they want to give them out. It's it's they have to give them out in order to get certain players. I mean, you look at the situation in 
St. Louis, for example, where they, they literally lost their captain, Alex Petrangelo, because of their refusal to give him a no-movement clause. And then they attracted Tory Krug there because of their willingness to give him a no-trade clause. And now they're in a pickle <laughs> because they gave him a no-trade clause. So it's, it's, it's not something they want to do, but in case, occasionally if you love the player, it's what you have to dabble in, I guess. But, I mean, the fact that, you know, that exists for so many players. And, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to slander his name too much here, but, like, Travis Hamanick is like a bottom-pairing defenseman getting an MCs. You look at the NBA where, like, only 10 players in the history of the league have gotten, like, a true no-trade clause. Like, is it not, like, wild to see that, you know, it doesn't really matter what level of player you are. You can ask and maybe even get trade protection in the NHL, what you, like I'm, I'm curious about that from your vantage point. Well, I mean, it's a capped league more so than the NBA, um, as Austin Matthews will find out on his next contract. Um, where in the NBA, you have several several dozen players. It seems like on max ter- on max, you know, super max deals, and Matthews is going to have to like take a contract that's much more in line with what the lease cap looks like. But to go back to your to your question, like. When you are under a hard cap, especially under a flat cap, like you're going to have to do things to try to manipulate the, the, the AAV on these contracts. And, and, you know, one of those ways traditionally has been to give trade protection to somebody. It's not simply just to sweeten the pot to get their name on the dotted line if they're a free agent. It's also, it's also a way to, you know, try to bring down the money you have to give somebody if you're giving them back other things. And, and trade protection is one of those things. And, and I think you're right. I mean, it's rampant. It's stupid. You know, the, the idea that Miles Wood should get trade protection from the Colorado Avalanche for being a guy that's going to play in their, you know, on their bottom line for the next couple of years is insane to me. But it's what these teams have to do, not only to attract talent, um, but to retain it at a, a certain level under a hard cap. Which who's more fascinating to you to potentially get dealt? Eric Carlson or maybe William Nylander? Um. I guess Nylander by default, just because we are kind of sure Carlson's going to move, and Nylander moving would be a little bit more surprising only because he's so good. Um, but, I mean, the financial landscape being what it is in Toronto and what he's asking for and what they think he's worth, it may lead to him not being there anymore. I think that'd be a huge mistake. I think he's a hugely talented player, um, and they could certainly regret not meeting that price because I think he's worth $10 million a year, to be honest with you, like with how good he is and, and again, where the cap is going. Um, so I think he'd be the bigger surprise of the two. Carlson, I wrote about this morning. We have a piece up on ESPN.com with just sort of like myself and Kristen Shelton and Ryan Clark talking about some of the, of the things we've been hearing at the draft and after the draft. And the one thing I'll say about the Carlson deal that I found interesting is I, there's a perception out there that the Sharks are just looking to get rid of him and, and that they're going to do it by any means necessary. And that might include taking 50% of his contract on um, but I don't think that's the case at all. Like, I, I think it's going to be some retention, but much less than that, which could complicate things for teams trying to acquire him. And the other complication, too, is the idea of, well, why don't you just bring in a third-party team to handle some of the hit? Well, that's pretty easy when it's the trade deadline and you're dealing with a re- expiring contract, but then when you're dealing with a guy that's got multiple years left on his deal at a pretty good clip, it really does start to become a little bit more complicated as to who could be a third-party broker on a deal like that. So. There are some economic headwinds, I think, on the Carlson front that complicate things a little bit. But I still think I, I, I believe he'll be playing in a different market when the season starts next year. I want to jump on uh, the, the William Nylander topic for a second. What do you think of the reports that are starting to swim out there that uh, negotiations between him and the Toronto Maple Leafs 
don't seem to be going so well. I'm not surprised because I mean they're they're going to have to commit a ton of money to to Matthews on the on the cap, and they obviously you know understand that that being as top heavy as they're going to end up being with him and Nylander and Marner making the money that they're making is is not necessarily the greatest way to build the team considering how high those AAVs are all going to be. Um, so I'm not surprised that they're playing real hardball with him to try to get it down as much as possible. Problem being is that A, I think he's worth the money he's asking for, and B, it becomes a much harder argument to make if you're Toronto if in you know three years the cap should be around like $93 million. So whatever his cap, looks, cap hit looks like in the short term is going to look a lot better in the long term. And then B, the, the biggest thing about the Leafs right now with all these negotiations is that John Tavares is coming off the cap in two seasons. And then all of a sudden you've got like 10 million coming off your cap and you can spend that in, in other ways. And, and you guys, you have guys like Matthews and Nylander that are like, spend it on me. <laughs> I deserve it. And they're, and they're not, they're not wrong, you know? So it's a, uh, it's an interesting debate to be had, but you know, it's hardball, it's contracts, it's tough. Nylander's a, a guy that, that knows his value. And uh, I'm not surprised that it's a bit tougher negotiation than say what they're having with Matthews. Uh, NHL senior writer for ESPN, Greg Wyshynski. Wish, always great stuff. Thanks for this. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Uh, there he is in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. All right, we got about seven minutes to go in the show. We got some housekeeping things to take care of. Oh, wow, really? We got a Wimbledon report with our intern, Shan, and then we got some text messages on who's the most famous person you went to high school with. 960-960, name and location. Uh, intern Shan, are you ready for your Wimbledon report, or do you want to do it at the end? I'm ready to go. All right. Uh, uh, GVP, do we have the bed? Thank you. Start with the weather report, because that's been an issue uh, at, at Wimbledon these, these last couple days. Right now, cloudy skies, no rain. There's a slight <laughs> chance of rain in the next hour, so uh, things are going to get going here. A lot of the game uh, matches that are supposed to be yesterday, they're happening today. Uh, right now, Milos Raonic, first time at Wimbledon uh, since 2019 versus Denis Novak. I dropped the first set 7-6, but he's up 4-3 uh, in the second set here. And then just a little later, Carol Zhao, uh, first time playing past the qualifiers here to Grand Slam against Tamara Korpach at 9 o'clock. Bianca Andreescu versus Anna Bondar at 9-15. Uh, Rebecca Marino versus Irina Begu at 10-55. And then Denis Shapovalov finally gets to continue his match uh, today at 10-30. He dropped the first set in that one, but uh, uh, looking to get that one going around, as I mentioned, 10-30. So... Uh, no rain today. Looking like no rain for the next three days, and uh, hopefully they can get the get everything caught up to speed because it is a backlog right now. All right, thank you. Uh, we'll get another Massive Wimbledon update. Backlog. Great job, uh, Shan. We'll get, we'll get another Wimbledon update uh, for you tomorrow. Uh, five minutes to go in the program before we hand it over to Big Show XL, more Big Show, Big Show Plus, Mucho Big Show. Um, we've been asking you all morning. Thanks to our man Julian McKenzie. Terrific idea. I don't know how we got onto the topic. But uh, the most famous person you went to high school with, Julie McKenzie, who's the most famous person you went to high school with? Uh, my friend Rob Naylor, uh, who uh, is an actor uh, most known for being the voice of D.W. from Arthur. Okay. I love that so much. And Patrick, you, uh, you're you the most uh, famous person? Well, around, I, 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 I have to go to the, like just down to like uh, the grade the behind me. So when I was in grade 12, he would have been in grade 11, former Calgary Stampeder uh, Mike Klukas. Uh, used to be on the Bo Show when Bo uh, Levi Mitchell had a show here on the station. Okay. Him and Mike Lucas hosted. Maddie Rose would know Mike Lucas, okay. but yeah, yeah, that's that's probably most famous in my time. Okay, yeah. And uh, what was yours, George? Dead Mouse. Yes, Joel Dead Zimmerman. Mouse. Yes, 
That's the most famous person I went to high school with. Pretty famous person. Really Coming famous Coming to Stampede. Person. Yes. Apparently. That's what you yeah, guys are telling me. July 15th. Yeah, I should go say hi. <laughs> and be like, I know you Mouse. from somewhere. Mouse, it's yeah, me. Yeah, over here, remember? <laughs> Would you like, like, I know where you grew up. What's his up. name? Joel Zimmerman. Joel Zimmerman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you like go on, like, say like you like kick it with Joel and he's all like, dude, like come on stage. Like while I do my show at Stampede, would you do it? Well, what am I going to do on stage? Dance? We just yeah. like watches in the back. Like just hang like, out just, in the back. Like, yeah, nod just like my a head. whole person yeah. just be like, yeah, man. Bite my lip. Yeah. Like, what do you mm. want me to do? Like, I mean, like I have, have you never gone to like, have you never hung out on stage during a concert before? I haven't even heard of Dead Man's well, I haven't song. Been on, I haven't been on stage. I've been to concerts. Oh, geez. I guess it's just me then. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you know what, Patty? Now I'm thinking about it. When's the last? What's the last new Dead Mouse song I've heard? I still like songs like The Velt and uh, I'm trying to think some other. I mean, some chords, obviously. A city in Florida. There's a lot of good Dead Mouse songs. Huh. Uh, Texty McTexterson yeah. is our Sportsnet 960 the fan text reading robot. And uh, there's a lot of these to get to. How many you got? For I us? got nine. Woo! All right, let's yeah. fire it up. Lauren in Auburn Bay went to high school with Jordan Eberly at Bishop Oberg. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, grew up in Calgary. One of the most famous yeah. world junior hockey mm. goals of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hero. Neil in Ogden, if you read this on the air and there are more than 37 people listening, I will officially be the most famous person ever to come out of my high school by a substantial margin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. 37's uh, a high number. One of them farm schools. It's a high number yeah. for us that 37 people are listening. Chuck from Lakeview went to high school with Greg DeVries. Yeah, Greg DeVries. Greg DeVries, okay. yeah. Again. Yeah. NHLer. Sure. Yeah. Randy in Okotox, mm. Dave Scatchard. After signing his first contract, he rolled up to the Derby Days Beer Gardens in Hinton, Alberta. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Another NHL player. Fine. like those. I like that. Okay. Some obscure names. John in Montgomery. I actually have two famous people from my school in Niagara Falls. Oh! Jay Triano and John McBain, founder of Auto Traders, Rhodes Scholar, and multi-billionaire. So Jay Triano and uh, John, John McBain. McBain. Yeah, with yeah. Jay Triano, of course. Okay. Head coach of Canada's national team. Uh, head coach of the Raptors at one yeah. time. Yes. Like so again, with the Suns. Yeah, and Meyer. Again, my yeah. Niagara Falls people listening to us. As we do a show in Calgary here. <laughs> Niagara Big Falls, up. Big stand up. up. Big up, Niagara Falls. Uh, I went to Sean in Inv- Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sean in Invermere. Alicia Cuthbert's boyfriend. Mm. The second's one. The second's one. Oh, okay. So the this... Dion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that I, I figured. Know, but he said the second's one. The second's No, was, no. Uh, he like sloppy seconds. Yeah. No, no, don't. Uh... Oh, sorry. don't say that. No. Okay. I don't <laughs> think that's the case. That's, that's just what the comment was. I just want that clear. I'm no, sorry. I get you. Yeah. I'm I, sorry. I, I was alluding to that. It's just don't. I'm so sorry. It's okay. No, I just I just want it clear. I wasn't no, trying no, to say relax. that they were. It, relax. It's I, okay. I don't want the I don't want, you know, <laughs> okay. I don't want people hitting me up be like, it's fine. What you you say? can't say that. What you say? Twice. That's why I kind of. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Mike from Signal Hill. Went to school with Tegan and Sarah. Tegan baseball with Mike Green. Oh, Mike Green. Mike Green. Calgary boy. Was that the guy who said he was a great floor hockey player? I know. There's a few people that went to school with Mike Green. Yeah. Barely floor uh, hockey legend, Mike Green. Yeah. uh, Went to high school with Mike Green. Amazing guy and a deadly floor hockey player. Okay. Yeah. Uh, You got one more for us? Got two more. Okay. Paul in Chestermere. Don't mean to brag, but I went to high school with two of the Origin 1-800-Cars-4-Kids band members. 
Is it the kids who do a terrible job of lip syncing on that oh, commercial? Oh, not playing their instruments? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more. Wedley in Bridalwood. The mean guy in my grade 10 gym class, Owen Hargraves made it big in soccer, oh. while I spend my days texting a Calgary morning show. Mm. Suck on that, Owen. <laughs> yeah. It's a great call. Owen Hargraves, the, the fake Englishman. Yeah, the fake Englishman. Who grew up here for 16 years and decided to play for England. And then get an English accent. Yeah. Yeah, not surprised he's a mean guy. Yeah. Uh, Lennox Lewis, yeah. he developed a fake English accent. He did too. Greg Rosetsky, who the name uh, is grew up familiar. playing tennis in Canada oh, years yes. ago and then married an English woman. And then all of a sudden he's uh, the great, uh, you know, royal subject, Greg Rosetsky. <laughs> he's from Point Claire, Quebec. Oh, my God. Oh, man. All that's right, that's good. it for us. Um, what's on Mucho Extra, more Big Show Plus? Uh, we'll go down the Atlas Pizza Sports Broadcast hotline to talk with uh, Tommy Wilden oh. Jr., head coach, GM of Cavalry FC. They get ready to uh, head out and play uh, Pacific on the weekend. Awesome. And we'll replay the Savvy interview? Yeah, we're going to do, uh, it's going to be an all-coaching hour. It's going to be, uh, uh, we'll go Tommy at 9, and we'll do Savard and Dickinson at the 9th. Oh, okay, awesome. Awesome. Two, two for one. Uh, we'll be back Hell tomorrow. Yeah. Um, do, do the podcast and stuff. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. And uh, follow Julian on Twitter at J-A-K McKenzie. No, J-K-A. J-K-A McKenzie. Damn it. I'll get it by the end of the week, but you I will. probably won't. I know you will. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.